Perfect. I feel great. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Half Court and Mid Range. I'm Court. I'm Ray. We have a special guest today. I'm Joel. All right. We're going to need to come up with another basketball-related pun for Joel because he's become a valued guest on this podcast. we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Since the conference finals have finished up exactly as we predicted them, we're going to do a little recap of those, and uh, then we're going to talk about the upcoming NBA finals. And the NBA draft lottery also happened, which was of great interest to Ray in the meantime. So uh, we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, Anything else, Ray, that we're going to talk about today? Uh, No, I think you hit all the the topics. Okay, awesome. So first off, we're going to talk about the conference finals. We predicted what was going to happen in the conference finals. Uh, Ray, do you remember your predictions? In the East, I picked the Cavaliers in seven. In the West, I picked Golden State in six. Okay. Were the, those series as close as you thought they were going to be? They were not. Uh, neither was. Uh, the Cavs won in five. The Hawks... Uh, so I think the Cavs definitely outplayed the Hawks pretty consistently throughout the, se- the series and... A five-game win was uh, probably representative of just the team's overall performance. Um, But the Hawks also were slowed down by the fact that Horford got thrown out of that one game, and then Deladova broke Kyle Korver's ankle and all of that. So I I think potentially if those things don't happen, it could have at least gone six games. And, uh... What's it? Demari Carroll was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're uh, back. We're back. <laughs> Demari Carroll, that was the sound of Ray's crotch for anybody who was <laughs> wondering. Uh, Demari Carroll was also injured in that one game, which I think slowed them down also. I mean, he, he came back quicker than people expected, but he definitely seemed like he wasn't as effective. I think this is a good time to interrupt and. Uh, you know, we've been talking about making some donations uh, to the podcast via Court's Tinder account. Uh, and when Joel just mentioned uh, that you hearing my crotch, it was because uh, the imperfect mic stand that we currently have is sitting on top of a book and a binder and a crate. And then it, when I looked to the side, it fell in, in the vicinity of my crotch. Um, That's true. So this is any... I think this is a good opportunity to say... If you're interested in donating to help us get a mic stand, go to Court's Tinder. I realized, are only women able to see your Tinder account, Court? Uh, unless they say, unless a man says he's a woman looking for men. Okay. And okay. I think it's pretty pretty gender binary still on Tinder. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's there's grinder uh, for you know people of the other persuasion. Grinder, yes. well, I mean, Tinder is kind of all-encompassing. Grinder actually predates Tinder. Uh, I'm not sure if Adam for Adam predates both of them, but I know that exists too. I saw okay. a presentation about it at work. Okay. Um, 
So, so maybe we haven't gotten any donations because some of our male listeners tried to find you on Tinder and couldn't. Mm. So they should create an account saying that they are a, a woman looking for looking for a man, a man, and then look for you. Maybe I've seen occasionally I've seen a guy on there, and it's confusing because you're like, did you type in? You probably just typed it in backwards. You said you were a woman mm. looking for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, but also maybe some of those people were listeners of our show trying to Mm. get me. And I've always, I've always swiped left on them because I'm like, oh, this is just a mistake. But maybe I should start swiping right because maybe they want to donate to our podcast. Okay. Um, I will also note that the stand is, is composed. The crate says recycling, do not touch. And says Mrs. Savoy on it. Uh, the binder has a bunch of CDs in it, uh, mostly Neil Young, and the book is called Empire of Sin by Gary Christ, and probably costs as much as a microphone stand would cost, but is not as effective. Um, so yeah, we, Joel and I predicted in this, this Cavs Hawk series, we predicted Cavs in six, so we also thought it would be a little bit more competitive than it ended up being uh the game i caught we should note that having a podcast oh wait i did have a different opinion continue on what was your different opinion i'm sorry i thought i for a second i thought we all picked the Cavs in six and i was gonna say that's like the least interesting thing we could do on a podcast is all just come on and agree and then be wrong i agree (laughs) um the highlight of this series for me and you knew it was going to come to this, was in game four where the Cavs were really struggling at halftime. They probably actually were winning by a decent amount at halftime. Wasn't it game five? No, because they swept them. Oh, wow. I'm an idiot. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yes, they swept them. And, and because... Because LeBron had the best halftime motivational speech in Game 4 possible, which was, I'm going to quote here, we have to get Joe Harris into this game. And you know what they did? They came out there and went up by enough points where they could put Joe Harris and also Brendan Haywood and probably some other not-as-good player as well. Kendrick Perkins? I don't think Kendrick Perkins goes in the game ever. It's just generally a bad idea. Um Maybe he would go in if Delavadova like actually started some sort of melee with his dirty play, but uh, yeah, Joe Harris got in there, uh, scored a couple of baskets. Generally performed better than Mike Scott did play in that entire game or entire series. Uh, due to some of the Hawks' injuries, there was a little bit of increase in Mike Scott playing time. Not his best series. Uh, he missed a lot of threes. He had one point in the overtime game where he should have saved the ball that was going out of bounds, and I guess he thought it was coming off the Cavs. And it was, he, he should, yeah. Joel has a, something to say about saving the ball. Uh, I was just going to say, I almost texted you, Court, because I realized that Mike Scott was actually in the game, and he really screwed the pooch on that one. It's really bad play. That was bad. It's all right. We all love Mike. He's going to come back next year and, and be an uh, equally vital uh, you know, ninth man in the rotation. Um, he might move on up if Carroll and Millsap don't come back. That is true. That Yeah, that team has a lot of decisions to make with those two free agents coming up. 
apparently Mike Muscula, I don't really know how to say his name. He's been, he's young, so he's like, people are like saying he's going to be good and like push the, the Mike Scott and Antich in the rotation. Um, but yeah, Millsap, Carroll, both players that are good have been good on the Hawks. Hard to say that they should break the bank for both of them, but kind of that's where they're at right now. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? And it seems the word on the street was that the Knicks were interested in both of those guys. And so that, one, means that they those players might really want to play in New York, and two, that the Knicks might give them way too much money to play in New York. So that doesn't bode well for Atlanta keeping them. Yeah, I can totally see Carroll signing a big contract to play in New York and just not being that awesome. Yeah, the Hawks have had bad luck in New York uh, recently. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think they'll pay Millsap. I don't know about Carroll. I think that's a tough tougher decision. I was I so I was reading the the you know thoughts on Millsap and they're throwing out like 4 years 80 million. Just that just I don't know. Maybe it's cuz he had such a good uh, reasonable contract of like 2 years 18 million that that just sounds kind of crazy. But I can't imagine paying Millsap 20 million dollars in like 4 years. That just yeah, he'll be 35 in four years. Is that something like that? That sounds, yeah, 35, 36, something like that. Yeah, that's it's kind of hard to swallow the end of that. But but at that point, the cap will be so high it won't really matter. So they should just suck it up and do it. They should just do it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I mean, they kind of have, like, you know, carte blanche executive-wise. Like, everybody loves their executives. Um, <laughs> after the Joe Johnson trade to the nets um yeah other than the whole you know well exactly uh so moving on to the western conference uh finals we had some predictions there too i believe my prediction was bold and i said it at the time that it was bold and i was kind of as you mentioned before if we all just come on a podcast and agree all the time that's going to be boring and so someone kind of has to take the fall I picked the Rockets in five, so I got the five right, which was good, and we talked about a lot of different, on the previous one, if you go back and listen, we talked about different numbers of games that that series could have ended in, and I got the number of games right, but I got the winning team wrong. You're good at picking the opposite of what happens, like you pick the Wizards to get swept, and then they swept. Yeah, yeah, the opposite, so yeah, you know. Just that wins short. In, that wins in Vegas. I short think. my yeah. Short whatever I pick in Vegas, yeah. and you're set. Yeah. Uh, did you? Let's see. This game. This this series. Uh, I caught the very end of the game. Was it game two that was like pretty close in the end, and then James Harden was like going off and like brought them back. Mm-hmm. It was like not that close, and then the he like pulled them back within striking distance, and then turned the ball over sort of at the end. Uh, I was watching that one with Greg up here. Um, and Greg was very excited by that game, and he at, remarked afterwards, "It just makes me want to go out and play basketball right now." Uh, and he had that kind of crazed look in his eye. He had a little bit of a crazed look uh, in his yeah. eye, and he like kind of like flinched when Harden was going down, and then he kind of like you know got trapped and just you know, it was not such. He's a frustrating player, and like he just definitely like is very 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 good. And he carried that team so much. 
I feel like the Warriors, like Steph Curry is also very, very good, very, very, very good, but his team just has like more of a cohesive, better players, better plan, that sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah, he was, James Harden was like incredibly bad in game five. Um, I'd be interested, Joel, what, what are your thoughts on that? I know you're a big Harden fan. Yeah. Going back to that game too, I felt like what was more frustrating for me was when he passed it to Dwight. I don't think he realized who it was trailing him when he passed it. But and not that Dwight did anything majorly wrong, but just the fact that he doesn't really have anybody else on that team who he could really lean on in that crunch time situation. I mean, in hindsight, he should have just held on to the ball and jacked up a shot. That would have been their best option probably but the fact that pretty much whoever he passed it to on that team in that situation he probably passed it to the worst person but there there was really no good option of of somebody for him to pass it to like maybe Trevor Ariza but that's I mean he's got to be open like there's not really anybody else who can create with the ball and Dwight probably held it for a split second too long gave him a bad pass back like ideally you you know he could have passed it to somebody who who would have realized that he didn't have time to pass it back and just would have done something to at least get a shot up but he passed it to Dwight I feel like he thought it was Ariza coming in in which case like I feel like Ariza would have nailed that shot like you know he would have been open he would have been coming in I don't really like it stinks that Dwight was like coming in there it was just it just sometimes things work out in games and sometimes they just end up like that um it was kind of probably a really crushing blow for them to drop that one you know they could have kind of hung around lingered a little bit i think they still would have lost as evidenced by you know golden state's performance but that that would have you know they had it there and then he like kind of knocked over the um like screen that they come out of during the opening like when he was walking back to the locker room he was definitely pissed yeah, he seemed very frustrated, which is definitely understandable. Um, I'm sure, like, not being able to get a shot up is the worst, the worst feeling. I mean, even if he had shot and airballed it, that probably would have been easier on his conscience. This is a feeling. This is a feeling that Joel is really unfamiliar with playing pickup basketball, not being able to get a shot off. Not that he takes a lot. Not that he. That's not to say that he's a ball hog, at all. But to say that. We don't have. We can't block your shot. We don't, we also don't have game clocks in pickup basketball. So that's another. That's the truth. That's a true thing. Yeah. So I was also gonna say about this series. Uh, I I did predict it in five, which was right. It was also the same as Zach Lowe's, who's much admired in this ah. podcasting studio. Were they based off of Zach? Lowe's well, I just wanted to say that I actually made my predictions before Zach ah. published his. So I don't know if he was listening to the podcast. Um, okay. You know, it'd be cool if he gave some credit next time. Yeah, but, retweet us, yeah. Zach. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it's all right. No hard feelings. I listened to some of his podcast, which is, I didn't realize that his was called The Low Post, which is like, man, I didn't realize that we were doing basketball terminology puns with names, and we were just being the same as him. I think our podcast predated for his. Weird, for, I, weirdly, I didn't, so our podcast did not predate his. It did. It definitely. No, it the definitely name. Did not. The name predated it. I don't think it did. It, it did not. But I don't even. I don't put that in the same. I don't know. I don't put that in the same bucket. You know. Yeah, because y'all's both words are 
compound words with part of your names in there. His is a lot easier because it's his whole name that is also a common word. Y'all's is definitely so more which creative. Better? Yours is more creative and better for sure. All right. Okay. Did you make it up though, Joel? Are you allowed to say that? No, I don't think I did. I think you did, Court. I made it up. Who made it up? The podcast name? Yeah. Was it Andrew? It might have been Andrew. No, I think I think I made it up. Oh, Ray made it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ray made it up. Way to go, Ray. <laughs> Andrew had some some other suggestion back when we had the comments section where you could. I think Andrew is an influence to us all. He is. He taught me how to speak, actually, uh, which was nice of him. And <laughs> that's not true. You know, some combination of my parents and probably just them taught me how to speak. Um, <laughs> Noam Chomsky yeah. is what Man, Joel says. Consent. Uh, <laughs> um, what were we, so we were talking about the Western Conference Finals. So we so Joel was the only one that got it right. I picked Warriors in six. You picked Rockets in five. Mm-hmm. The the Warriors handled the Rockets pretty well. Um, Stephen Curry is still really good at basketball. Um, He's okay at basketball. <laughs> bold, bold opinion. Okay. Yeah, hot take from court. So I listened to Zach Lowe's podcast for the first time the other day, and the entire time he was just talking with his buddy, who's a reporter, who's bitching about how Stephen Curry let his daughter get up on stage for the post game thing, and like I still yeah. haven't, I didn't even watch that because I don't want to see Stephen Curry talk about how he won or whatever. For some reason, I enjoyed the counter hot take, you know, where everyone's like, oh. Who's going to complain about kids being up on the podium? That's a bunch of bull. And, like, that was a thing for, like, days. And so I kind of enjoyed the counter take, and he's like, hey, you know, well, I try to interview players sometimes, and it's hard when there's kids there. You know, that's, I mean, that's simple enough. Ray, you should, kids are, you should let kids, if you're at work, you let kids be there, Think right? Think about it. What if there was kids here and we're trying to do a podcast? How hard would that be? Huh? It, would, it would be pretty easy because they you just have the kid there and they would say funny things. Oh, it's kids. We should definitely get Ailey on the podcast. <laughs> he's not ready. I don't know if he's ready for the podcast. Let's start with Nicole first. Nicole, then Ailey. <laughs> we I still haven't figured out the higher registers of the equalizer, so we're still on the pretty. You know, we were working our way okay. up. Okay. You know, from yeah. the from the bottom to the top. So I had a question about Curry, not. Uh, pertaining to his daughter but do y'all think that he got concussed in that game i don't remember if it was i think it was game three or i i don't remember whenever he had the really nasty fall I and mean, everybody saw the replay yeah because he got cleared and he came back and played but i felt like watching that game when he came back, that first shot he took was so off. Yeah. I feel like he at least sustained a minor concussion, which will definitely be a non-issue if he comes back and he's fine. But it seems like, I, I guess actually, I think it was game four, and I didn't actually watch game five, but I don't think he played very well in game five. And I think if he doesn't play very well in the finals, that could definitely be uh, something that comes up. Yeah. Um, I I do think he got a I do think he probably got a concussion. I don't understand why they had to get him back in the game. They had control of the series, and they still probably might have won anyway if he didn't come back. And he did look pretty bad when he came back. 
So yeah, but I think yeah, I do think he probably had a concussion. My understanding of the NBA concussion protocol is they go back there and Roger Goodell is there and checks him out. Is that <laughs> am I right there? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so he and said he, he was fine. It, but it's really not like a medical procedure. It's more of like a he just like assesses their will to like be in the game. You know, like uh, yeah. they buy into like the league, you know, and the brand. Right. Yeah. And then he just makes them like repent of like any sin. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it doesn't have anything to do with his head. It's just like tell me the worst thing you did this week and say that you're sorry. And then a little absolution. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know about the concussion protocols in the NBA. Uh, sometimes I feel like when we're talking about all these names and stuff, I wonder about our uh, listening audience, which is probably not large, uh, and just they're like demographically, not even demographically, but like who they are specifically, because you can kind of count them on one hand probably, and whether they know who, I mean, I'm sure they know who Roger Goodell is, mm. and some at least some of them do Lindsay definitely does not know who roger goodell is <laughs> and zach lowe like we talked a lot about zach lowe probably best lo- sports writer okay he's the best sports writer besides uh, some anybody in this room and and michael mahoney <laughs> uh michael mahoney is our roommate by the way just in case you're a listener who doesn't know who that is uh and I think we're getting a little bit off topic here with this Western Conference recap. I think we need to move on and we need to talk about the finals and the final draft lottery results. The final draft lottery results. That's right. If I had a whole lot of time to edit this podcast later, you would hear a clip of Ray going, no, no. When the, it was announced that the Sixers got the, third pick in the NBA draft during the lottery where he was kind of upset at the time not as upset as possible upset but also aware that it was an okay outcome it was an above average outcome above average outcome in all of the scenarios that could have happened this was like definitely above like the middle range like above the you know the middle of the road outcome which I think was the fourth pick us getting the fourth pick okay uh, so it was like, like the sixty percent or something. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think in that fifty-five, sixty percentile. So range. still failing. <laughs> Not if you're doing percentiles. We're doing percentiles. I don't understand percentages. Weren't didn't y'all have the highest probability of just getting the third pick though? Uh, I shouldn't know. You would think that I would know this, um, but it actually is probably the fourth pick i think in a plurality of outcomes at least one team jumps us okay but y'all had the third worst record right we had the third worst record okay yeah so i feel like it was well maybe this is simplistic of me to say but i feel like it was the most i guess it wasn't the most likely outcome but in my simplistic way of thinking it was the most likely outcome but that yeah but and, and that's logical i think yeah i just think the way it works out if one team jumps, uh, we get the fourth pick, and I, so I think there's more scenarios where that happens. Okay. Um, moving into Bayes' theorem. Bayes, yeah. Aaron Bayes. Who's Bayes? He plays for the Spurs. He's uh, uh, that's that's Baines. Oh yeah, there we go. We were pretty close. A, it was a conditional probability joke. 
Right, I know. I was joking about the Spurs. <laughs> also, Joel got me these socks that have David Robinson on them. Except I'm not wearing them now because I only have one left, and I don't know where the other one went. Oh man! And I, I don't like so reward. A reward for this one dollar. One for whoever finds the other David Robinson sock. No, I'm not going to give Greg a dollar. Greg definitely <laughs> has it, right? Because like, where could it be? It went in the laundry. I dried the clothes. Uh, it probably got stuck in the dryer and then it probably ended up in Greg's laundry somehow. When I lose things that Greg has taken, it's usually because he brought it into school for some kind of class demo. Do so you, maybe he brought the sock in. You think he like, brought a David Robinson sock into Terrytown to do a demo? It's possible. I mean, I don't know why he had to bring my sea salt, you know, <laughs> but he brought that in. Was that the one where he lit the dollar bill on fire? I don't, I think this was unrelated. Okay. I don't remember, though, what the sea salt was for. The sea salt, I mean, you could make crystals out of it. Okay. You could... Um, it could have been a um, chemical reaction, but he, he's teaching, like, fifth graders. Fifth graders do chemistry? They do chemistry? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't, I don't so. know. I, I did. Maybe it had something to do with, like, a seawater demonstration. Ah, okay. Oh. Oh, uh, like, water density solution? Water, yeah, with salt in it, and then sock. Do socks float in seawater? Is that is that what he's doing? That's probably what he's doing. Anyway, speaking uh, of, so on the lottery, um, I yeah, it was a tolerable outcome. We have the Sixers have the third pick. Actually, overall, the lottery was kind of boring in that very little change. The only thing that happened was that the Lakers jumped from the fourth spot to the second spot, and the Knicks did the opposite. They went down. Um, See, so yeah, I'm excited. We got a couple weeks for the draft. Second biggest day of the NBA calendar. Um, What's the biggest day of the NBA the calendar? draft lottery. <laughs> um, What's the third biggest day? Uh, I guess the last game of the NBA Finals. That's a different day every time, though. Yeah, I know. So how but, can it... So is the draft and the draft lottery. Ooh, you do, but less so. I feel like you know. I mean, yeah, they're more. They're scheduled out like months in advance. That's true. So I had a question for Ray, and I think I kind of asked you something similar on the last podcast. But now that we know the Sixers have the third pick, uh, it's a little more specific. Would you rather the Sixers take, let's say, D'Angelo Russell, because it seems like maybe that's who they might be leaning towards? Or if Okafer is available, trade down or trade up. I get that confused, but you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Trade trade the trade the pick. Uh, you know, get whatever from the Knicks. Uh, for the third pick, just gut reaction. Which would you rather see happen? Yeah. Let me preface this by saying I've been reading a lot about NBA draft draft prospects, probably too much, and I would I, where I'm and I go I move around all the time with everything i think what i would say now is that I, I hope that okafor falls to us and that either we take him and figure out what to do or like immediately trade like nerlens or something or that like we trade down but i think okafor falling to us gives us like the is going to be lead to like the best return for us in some form or another and i also just like kind of D'Angelo Russell's weaknesses are a little bit concerning. 
He's not super athletic. He is very long. He's got like a 6'9 or 6'10 wingspan, which is really good for a guard. And he can shoot, but he didn't. He played pretty poorly against good teams in the NCAA this year. Um, he doesn't have elite athleticism. He doesn't project to be a good defender. So basically you need him to be a really elite offensive player to be worth the third pick. And I, I just am a little like wary, even though he shows signs that he can be. That feels like more of a stretch than somebody like Okafor, who's going to be a monster on the post, if nothing else. He's just going to be a monster. Um, so anyhow, I feel like there's just a lot. I feel like there's more risk with D'Angelo Russell than most people are thinking. Um, and so I'm a little bit cool on him. I think I think Hinky probably feels the same way, um, that if, if Okafor drops, you're getting the most value at that pick whether you keep him even though he doesn't make sense at all for the Sixers uh positionally or you trade him to get more assets like that's kind of the Sixers way right now huh yeah yeah and before before the podcast we're talking about Chris Tapp's Porzingis uh from Europe can you repeat that name please a really tall European dude and really skinny he was described in an art article on Grantland as an ectomorph, or potentially as an ectomorph, which I had to look up, which basically means a really skinny person. Yeah. But, then but it also refers to some weird way of, like, categorizing humans. I, I skimmed that article, and they said that it was based on 70 years of pseudoscience. I probably skimmed that article for maybe 15 seconds before this podcast. And I saw ectomorph and 70% and pseudoscience. Yeah. That's kind of how I like to skim Grantland articles. It's just, you know, 15 seconds on it. Yeah. Get the, the meat of it, really. Yeah, I read the Wikipedia article on the different body types from that 70-year-old pseudoscience. And it was definitely weird and interesting. What's the stuff from Ghostbusters? Because that's what I thought of when I read ectomorph. Ectoplasm. Oh, yeah. Basically the same thing, I think. Ectoplasm, yeah. Uh, so ectoplasm is the secret to the Sixers' success, is what we're saying. They, who are you going to call? Sam Hinkie. Sam Hinkie, there you go. Sam, Okay, if Sam Hinkie was one of the Ghostbusters, which actor would he be? The only one, <laughs> I think the only one I know is Dan Aykroyd. Is that a bad thing? That's confusing, because Dan Aykroyd looks like Sam Hinkie, but if Sam Hinkie was a Ghostbuster, he'd definitely be Egon, who was... Uh, uh, I think that was also that was Reitman, right? Uh, I only know it's Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and uh, the guy who died, though, who's the one you're talking about, right? Um, Joel's gonna look it up for us really quick. Uh, maybe we, on his new smartphone. On his new, yeah, Joel got an iPhone recently. We're sponsored by Apple. We're sponsored by Apple. Apple unfortunately doesn't make mic stands, uh, <laughs> as we've gone over in this podcast before uh but it is it has passed the 30 minute mark so we're contractually uh not obligated but we're we're liable not liable either what's the one we have the option of asking for money again mainly i'm trying to stall for time here while joel looks it up so reitman was the director ivan reitman egon was played by harold ramis uh who actually does not look in his Younger uh, self does not look anything like Sam Hinkie. Who's the smartest Ghostbuster? Definitely Egon. Okay. So that's right, yeah. He's but, Egon. But Sam Hinkie looks physically more like Dan Aykroyd. That's true. Uh, sometimes I get Harold Ramis and Kurt Rambis confused. Mm. 
that's a basketball joke for you. <laughs> also, also a 80s comedy joke. <laughs> um, yeah, rest in peace. Pour some out for Ramis. Uh, that's a, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters in a while, you should probably see it. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, we were talking about the draft here. Also, if you want to trade your first round pick to the Sixers, reach out to Courts Tinder. Courts Tinder. I actually matched with Joel Embiid uh, recently on Tinder. All right. <laughs> that's well, a lot. You know how you, that's true. There's you might get shouted out on a, on a Twitter. Yeah, I know. You know, you know how on you probably don't know this because you don't have a Tinder, but everyone always puts their height in there. I feel like that would be pretty funny with NBA players to be on there to have their like height. Um, Is it like? Like when you see someone's profile, does it like say they're measurables? What do you? No, like? no, no. It's entirely. It's like a cultural thing. All that is there is there's a box that you can put text into, but it's kind of like a a meme of sorts that people just for some reason think it's a good. I guess like girls like taller guys and guys don't want to be shorter than girls, and so like girls are always like, you better watch out because I'm five foot ten, so you better be at least as tall as Joel Embiid. Mm. Um, mm. And so I guess it's something that I haven't like worried about as sort of a slightly above, you know, 60 percent ish uh, above average. I think you're, more, I think of you're height. probably more like you know, 70, like eight percentile. You think I'm in the 78th percentile of height? Should we look up the percentiles of height right now? Yes. OK, well, we have to think of something else. That's going to be a longer search than for uh, Kurt Rambis or Harold Ramis. So. Okay, so I had a question that I was thinking about. Uh, this does not pertain to the draft lottery. Sorry, Ray. Uh, but moving on to the finals, uh, and actually this is really looking beyond the finals. Uh, beyond the finals, all right. It seems like a pretty popular uh, thing to bring up what, what Kevin Love is going to do. I guess just in the last couple of days he said publicly recently that he plans on staying with the Cavs and everybody has brought that up uh, just in order to say that it really means nothing because... Uh, he could very easily change his mind uh, by the time the finals are over and free agency comes around. Um, so the question has been posited already. Would it make it more or less likely for Kevin Love to stay with the Cavs if they win or lose the championship? Um, and it seems to me like it makes total sense that if the Cavs lose that will make it more likely for Kevin Love to stay because they lose the narrative can be that you know they didn't have love um with love they would have had a shot he comes back he's got a place you know they've got a whole season under their belt you know playing with love he's utilized better next season um but what's more interesting and I don't think this will happen spoiler alert but if the Cavs were to win would it be more likely it, it seems like it's a tougher choice for love because on one hand if the Cavs win without him playing pretty much in the entire playoffs it kind of shows that they don't need him to be successful but at the same time it would be really tempting to come back it's would more than likely be a cakewalk through the east again and uh you know maybe they get another championship with him being healthy next year my thing, I think he would be he would be more likely to stay if they won, because I feel like if they win, it's going to be because like LeBron just like goes crazy and like puts the team on his back and totally wins it that way, and so then Kevin Love, 
they win it, Kevin Love is like, oh, sweet, they can win without me. I'm going to come back, and now we're going to just, like, we're going to cruise for a while, and we're going to start this dynasty going, and LeBron isn't going to have to, like, kill himself next time playing so hard. But yeah. don't don't you think that that puts a lot of... I mean, there's a there's a lot of pressure on him either way, I guess. You know, if... if um, if they don't win and he comes back, you know, there's pressure to at least make it to the finals again. Um, but if they do win and he comes back, that seems like even more pressure because now they're supposedly better with him in the lineup. And what if they don't do as well next year? My question is, where is the love? Where is why isn't he going to the games? Wait, like if it's he like, wants to be on the team next year, why isn't he sitting on the bench true. going to the games? And know? the only com- the only parallel I have for this is uh, when the Giants won the Super Bowl uh, against the pa- the undefeated Patriots that first time. Uh, Jeremy Shockey was injured in the towards the end of the regular season, and he did come to the games, but he would like sit up in the box and he would look all surly. And after that, he w- ended up not not staying with the Giants. He signed, uh, I believe. I can't remember if he signed with the Saints or the Panthers at that point, but he kind of bounced around between those two teams and yeah, it kind of sucked after that. Uh, and then Kevin Boss was also just equally uninspiring for the Giants after he had like a few good games in that playoffs. Uh, so Kevin Boss, Kevin Love, Boss, Love, your name is a verb uh, or an emotion of some sort. I think the story was that he couldn't travel with the team for a while after right. a surgery. That sounds uh, like a load. Of, that sounds like a load, right? Like well, that's well. That's the, it, but then it was sort of a story, right? That he's gonna. That was he at the last game of the Eastern Conference Finals? I think he was. Maybe oh, he was. Okay. I think he was, and then he's gonna be with the team for the finals. I think. I think he's ultimately going to stay because. He doesn't have really other good options this offseason, and he has financial incentive to wait till next year anyway. So it makes sense to just opt in, stay, unless he really doesn't like being there. Um, it really makes sense. Instead, they go to L.A. and play with Kobe. That sounds awful. Or go to New York or Boston and play on terrible teams. Like None of those things sound good. I, I think I agree that the most likely scenario is that he stays, but I do think if they win... It would be, I, I would be much less surprised if he left, just because then it seems like there's there's a much bigger risk of them knowing that they can succeed without him and not putting as much thought or energy as as a whole team into properly integrating him. W- whatever that means, there's a lot of people who talk about how he wasn't used properly. Um, and I think that if they lose, there will be a lot more focus on them correcting that than if they win. That that yeah that that make that makes sense to me. Um, it would be embarrassing for him if they did win and then he came back and it probably wouldn't even be his fault. But then they would like you know get unlucky and not win it the next time and then everybody would be like, oh Kevin Love, he's bad. Yeah. Like he screwed everything up. I think the other element here is that. A lot of people are talking about how good the Cavs' defense was without Love. It's been really good. Um, they had one of the, they've had one of the biggest like improvements from regular season defensive performance to playoff postseason performance in recent history. Um, and they clearly, while their game, while the overall game is still pretty ugly, they're developing something of a style with just like wings that can play defense and shoot a little bit, and LeBron. 
holding and shooting the ball a lot. And so you wonder and Tristan how, destroying the offensive glass. Yes. Just want to throw that in there. And yeah, Tristan and Mozgov just crushing the offensive glass. And Joe Harris nailing those threes <laughs> in mop up duty. Joe Harris. Um so yeah, I just don't think Kevin Love and Joe Harris can be on the same team. Okay. So uh, they they look too much alike. <laughs> whenever Joe whenever Joe Harris plays a pickup game, people are always like, Oh, you're Kevin Love. <laughs> Okay, so here's a question. In your heart, well, I'm sorry. In his heart of hearts, do you think Kevin Love wants. Love's heart of hearts. In Love's heart of hearts, do you think he wants the Cavs to win? I think he wants them to lose. I think he wants them to win. You get a ring either way. Like, you don't want to be like, did Carl Malone want the Lakers to lose that one time? Did Carl Malone win that one time with the but Lakers? Carl Malone, he no, was. he lost. He was on the end, you know, like. He, he, that, that was the only way he was going to get a ring. Love can still has options. He still has, like, you know, hope springs eternal. I think he would want, if I was injured and I was on a team and it was my job, or, like, say that I injured my hands and I couldn't program anymore and my team was about to release, like, some sick software, would I, st- I would still want it to go well because, like, I get more money that way, possibly. I don't know. You get paid conditionally? Yeah, you get, you know... And theoretically, people own, they have uh, equity and stuff, and not in my current job, obviously. Yeah, but I think that, I think maybe, maybe the key is here is that he's not really invested in the Cavs, right? He's only played there for, you know, a season, and it was a tumultuous season, and he didn't get along with LeBron, and they had these weird Twitter fights, and, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with Ray. I think in the heart of love, he wants them to lose. Who do you think that Kevin Love's best friend on the Cavs is? Ooh, that's a good question. Definitely Joe Harris. <laughs> no, because Joe Harris and LeBron are friends, sort of. It's in the kind of patronizing way. Yeah. Is there anybody that he played with? Did anyone come over in the Minnesota trade? No, no one came over, right? No, funny. they just sent two people, right? Yeah. With, well, two people that hadn't really played together before. I feel, I, yeah. Two that's Canadians. A um,. Was he friends with anybody on Minnesota? Does he have any friends? I don't know. Does Kevin? Uh, we 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 asked that to the crowd. I think folks should answer that, answer in the comment section. It'd be pretty funny if he was just going out to eat dinner with David Blatt every night while the rest of the team went and partied. <laughs> He's got to be friends with. Uh, is he friends with Russell Westbrook? Probably, sort of, right? Because they played together. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right? that's right. And there's always rumors about them. Um, playing together and i guess was somebody else was on that was darren collison on that ucla team yeah i believe so i think holiday was after that right that would age wise is right i i kind of get confused with those two which one is older but i think that's the way it goes yeah um they're all friends you know all those ucla guys yeah chase utley bill walton bill walton yeah volcanoes boom (laughs) Um, speaking of volcanoes, we maybe should make finals predictions. Wait, bef- before we do that, did we figure out about uh, height uh, percentages? So I, I looked up this really bad graph, and it actually suggested that the 95th percentile for men 30 years old Whoa, was, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was the closest <laughs> was... It's my 70, half birthday. Was six two and a half. Um, so you would actually, according to this chart, 
be the 95th percentile, which actually, I mean... <laughs> I'm getting the, confused. I'm getting older and taller as we're talking here. <laughs> are, you, you're, what, are you 6'2"? Yeah, I'm 6'2". Okay. But you said 6'2 yeah, so and a half, right? Yeah. Okay. And you said so 30 and 90th percentile. percentile. Yeah. <laughs> the 90th percentile. Okay. But that's kind of, that sounds, I mean, the average height is what, 5'9"? So on my Tinder, you think I shouldn't put my actual height? I'm just going to say, for men who are around 30, I'm in the 90th percentile of height. I think you should do that. Okay, that probably beats what it says now, which is reading party champion 2014. Is that your, your like, the line that everyone reads? Yeah, that's my tagline, and okay. then it has a Were picture. Were you the reading party champion? No, it's not. A, there's, it doesn't mean anything. I, okay. Nothing. Yeah, it's all meaningless. Except for the money is meaningful if you give us money on there. <laughs> Venmo it to me. Uh, speaking of money, these predictions are going to be pretty money based on our track record so far. Yeah, Court is going to personally uh, back up any bet. He's going to ensure any bet that you make on his prediction. Okay, uh, yeah. Depending on your definition of insurance and meaning meaningfulness of words and meaningfulness of everything in general uh i will you know i'll back you up there we're all on the same team it's ironclad four star lock four star uh should so we should probably all think of our predictions in our head first and then say i've got them. mine if i if you want me to start i don't want you to well i just want to say that i have mine too that way people know that i wasn't influenced by yours Joel doesn't look like he has his. He looks like he's looking up Zach Lowe's prediction on his phone right now. <laughs> he's not actually. He he did. Re he's just texting someone. He, he's texting a friend. Uh, phone a friend. He's phoning David Blatt right now. I, I tried to write my prediction down. I'm having trouble with the smartphone. Uh, but it's it's. I think it makes sense. I think it's clear what I predicted. Okay, Joel's prediction is YOLO smiley face. <laughs> Autocorrect. <laughs> uh, I have my prediction in my head. Ray seemed really like he was chomping at the bits. So we're gonna start with Ray. Okay. I'm Joel. gonna come out. I'm gonna come out uh, Sam Cassell dance style. Go with a real bold prediction. I'm gonna go with Golden State in four. Oh Sweet. man. Golden State, and I just want to talk through my thought process real quick. When I Objectively, I think Golden State is way better statistically. They've been one of the best best teams of like of history, like a top five or ten teams uh, that you know has played in the NBA. Um, and they've they were really good in the regular season. They've been really good in the playoffs. Um, and so I think objectively they should just steamroll where the Cavs are just a so-so team uh, that is without Kevin Love and. Kyrie is is still potentially banged up. Um, part of me is really scared because LeBron just seems like a amazing X factor who could just win the series by himself. It seems, um, but at the end of the day, I think Golden State is way better, and I just don't see the way that the Cavs are playing that really ugly offense where LeBron dominates the ball and takes a ton of shots and is really inefficient. Uh, I just can't see them playing that and being able to keep pace with the go with Golden State, the way that they score, the way that they move the ball, and the way that Steph Curry is just bananas. Um, so that's my prediction. 
It's my right. bold prediction. I think Joel should go next just because he just showed me his prediction on his phone and I need an interpreter. So I was also thinking I would be bold and pick the Warriors in four. I tried to write it down before any of us picked. Uh, I actually wrote Dina in four because I have fat thumbs apparently. Um, but I guess I'll stick with it because uh, that's kind of what my gut was saying. Uh, I, I guess that makes it less bold that Ray also just picked that. Um, I think we're bold together, Joel. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Um, yeah, I kind of... I don't... Obviously, I, th- I think it'd be more like... I, I don't know. Um, I think the Cavs have a good shot of winning at least a few games. I just don't see um, any way, really, that the Cavs could could win the series um and i think that the warriors could easily sweep with the exception uh that if maybe curry has some lingering effects from that non-concussion i think that's maybe one x factor that could could swing uh maybe some games i still don't i don't think it would ever be bad enough that they would lose the series but maybe they could lose a few games that way but i just think the most likely scenario is that the warriors roll um i think some of the things maybe working in the Cavs favor would be uh that it, it does seem like throughout the playoffs the warriors have kind of gotten off to some slow starts maybe because they're a little bit overconfident um i think there could be a little bit of like everybody believes in us syndrome with the warriors that could be a little bit dangerous um but i think there's a reason that everybody believes in them because they're uh the better team yeah and just when uh the concussion thought on curry also reminded me that clay thompson having the concussion uh and i think it's still possible that he misses game one that looks like he's gonna play um but if there was any kind of if he got hit again or something and he were to miss time or be ineffective, I think that would have a significant impact on the series because he's obviously very good and important for their offensive flow. I was thinking about it too, and actually, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have an impact. I think it would hurt the Warriors for him to miss games. Um, but I honestly, I don't know that that would even be that big of a factor um, for Clay not to be playing 100%. Uh, I think... I think he of the of the Warriors starting five, he's maybe the he may be the fifth most important player for them. I think Draymond's definitely more important. Stefan obviously Draymond, and I think you could easily make the case that Bogut and Barnes have been more important to them in the playoffs than Clay. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of those things though. I think on offense that with Draymond Green and Barnes checking LeBron, that they're, whomever is checking LeBron should probably be considered like not a great offensive guy because they're just gonna get be getting banged and like, I don't know. So I think having Clay free, um, free while Draymond and Barnes are doing that, the hard work of taking care of LeBron, I think is kind of particularly important. Um, my prediction before both of you submitted yours, Ray's obviously, uh, he said his first, so it wasn't influenced. Um, Joel ran away and then showed me his phone. It said Dinah in four, which was kind of unclear. 
what he was had actually written down. The Raptors. Uh, my prediction before anybody said anything was Cavs in seven. Uh, and I'm going to quote uh, Camus here. He says, heroism is accessible. Happiness is more difficult. Interesting. And so I think that Ray did his objectively, and I am going to make my prediction subjectively, uh, which is the the series would suck ass if it ended in four games, especially with the Warriors winning. Uh, I think LeBron is just going to go and totally uh, prove everybody wrong that's like, oh, yeah, you can win by being a team that like shoots shots and stuff. Uh, no, you need to have the best player in the entire world on your team, and that is LeBron James, not Steph Curry, uh, maybe Anthony Davis, not James Harden, but he's better than Steph Curry. Uh, I can't remember who the other person is. Oh, was Gasol the other person on the NBA first team that uh, Steph Curry beat? Because Steph Curry has played against every other member of the NBA first team yeah. in his Harden, quest. Harden, Gasol, Davis, Gasol, Davis, LeBron. LeBron, mostly Western Conference. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Cavs in seven. And so... Uh, I'll see you guys on the third most important day of the NBA year, and we'll see who's right then. I want to say that while I strive to be objective, my prediction is subjective. I feel like Court just is overconfident in those Knicks, ex-Knicks players. Yeah. We need it, like, it is unbelievable that LeBron is basically taking the Knicks plus Matthew Deladova and Tristan Thompson to the finals it's really it's for any kind of like that's a pretty good there's so there's this um statistical method called like doing twin sampling where you take a similar type of person in one situation and like kind of their twin in another situation and see how much those situations like affect their outcomes uh in this case you'd sort of have a twin sampling thing with carmelo and LeBron just to show how much better LeBron is. Like you put him in a really similar situation and he's able to take that team to the finals where Melo is like not even able to make them a 500 team. You know? I think one thing that we haven't really mentioned that's going to play a huge factor too though is, is Irving's health. Cause he, he's really the big difference between, I mean, we're joking about them being the Knicks, but he's the biggest difference between you know a a really bad squad that LeBron is just dragging through the playoffs um you know like he did back in 2007 um because up until the last few games Irving has played really well and throughout the season Irving has played really well and if his if his knee it's his knee yeah if his knee is as bad as they've kind of been making it out to be I think that also played into my prediction, at least, of Warriors and four. I think if Irving is not close to 100%, then the Cavs don't really have a chance. But if Irving, if they've been, if they've been, uh, you know, downplaying it and kind of being tricky about it, and Irving really is doing better than they've admitted, then maybe the Cavs do have some chance. Uh, I spent the entirety of you talking there halfway paying attention and halfway looking up quotes about greatness. Um, 
And I found the one I came to, the one that I ended on was, if you look up the definition of greatness in the dictionary, it will say Michael Jordan. Elgin Baylor said that. Uh, neither of those guys are LeBron James, but I feel like he's the one who's going to come closest to there. Uh, and I think that's a sign that they're going to win in seven. And I think Kyrie Irving's knee is going to be fine because LeBron James is going to say at halftime, our goal for this game is for Kyrie Irving's knee to be fine. He can just will things into into being with his words. That's how uh, powerful he's become. Uh, anyway, like Ray said, and this wasn't just to be controversial. I know we talked about like people having to like go out on a limb and like pick different predictions just to be controversial. This wasn't just about that. Uh, that was my true prediction before both of these guys said that the Warriors were going to sweep it. Uh, and if I, uh, I would only be mixing my metaphors if I said something about like, you know, falling on my sword, picking the line in the sand to die on top of a hill. <laughs> Definitely. I think as far as I can tell, if I'm remembering back to where we were uh, talking at the beginning here, those were our topics of discussion for the night. Um, do we have any closing arguments, closing thoughts that we really just need to get out there onto this podcast before we leave or, um, so your, uh, your Camus quote just kind of, so one of, uh, one of my podcast influence is, is this guy on Fangraphs called Carson Sestouli and he, he quotes this philosopher that just has really depressing stuff all the time. And so kind of got me thinking about that and I feel like this quote ties into some of the things we talked about with Kevin Love and Roger Goodell um, so I'm just going to throw it out there I think it'll leave us on the leave us you know around the right note I mean his name's uh, the philosopher's name's Emil Turin true confessions are written with tears only but my tears would drown the world as my inner fire would reduce it to ashes Thank, thanks everybody this is Joel Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. See y'all.